to go the hellers podcast world cup live already once Howdy. again andrew did not properly warn me so <laughs> did you guys not hear the recording thing go off it was just no me. i didn't no, like a little pop-up thing i saw Whoa. i heard the robot voice go now recording you looked at the camera blankly for five seconds and then said all right we're underway all right i'll clip this out let's start over Kristen? no it's fine we can start i actually like it better <laughs> happy holidays gentlemen happy holidays How's everybody season, doing? The season is upon us. Doing, doing well. If I were to rank our backgrounds one to four, I would go Andrew one because he's right in front of a tree. Connor put up virtual lights, but that still counts. Jay, uh, there is a light behind you, so I guess you'd finish third. And I, I'm pulling up the caboose, which sucks because I'm usually the jolly one. But you guys all look great. Yeah, you're struggling. Right you're struggling. Uh. Slightly shorter episode today, but going to be very fun nonetheless. We're going to give our World Cup 11s, including a 12th man and including a manager. Uh, I just might as well jump right into it in terms of keepers. It was actually, I would say this was a difficult pick. One of the tougher positions to pick because of how many standouts there were. But who, uh, so give me who you went with and give me a few sentences as to why you went with him. I can go first. I went with uh, Lakovic. Croatian goalkeeper Lovakovic. Lovakovic. I'm sorry. I completely Flying start Andrew. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Only uphill from here. <laughs> Only pronunciation <laughs> is a C minus, but um, at best, that's a gracious <laughs> C minus. That's passing. Uh, yeah. So obviously, he was phenomenal. He made some phenomenal saves throughout the, the knockout stages, and um, I believe it was also the penalty shootout with. If I have it correct, Brazil. Um, I just think he's been phenomenal. One of the, like like you said, Tristan, one of the keepers or the keeper position is was the hardest position to pick just because there's so many standout. I I, I think I said during the World Cup on one of the podcast episodes, I said it's um a tournament of keepers and he's he was up there. So for me, there's plenty of other plenty of other options to go with, but I just thought him between the posts was phenomenal and Croatia got getting as far as they did. He was a, a main factor in that. So 27 years old too. So probably yeah. at least two other world cups he could play in and be eligible for second one. He'll be older, but maybe a big club move in his future. But I like that pick. I'll, I'll uh, get into it. It's someone I really wanted to give it to Chesney. Um, I think he was just incredible, really just the lifeline of Poland, but as Argentina wore on further and further, I feel like I was critical of Emmy for a lot of his open play performances because he wasn't necessarily saving too many shots. Uh, I feel like the goal conversion against him was actually pretty high in open play. But, I mean, the mastermind of a penalty shootout, he just stares down your soul and can make saves um in the biggest moments so emmy martinez my goalkeeper and it's basically because of his final performance i mean that's what took him across the line and really uh, solidified him for me because that kick save that we touched on on the live watch was just like oh my god i mean match saving 
Um, and then obviously it was like no contest once it went to penalties. So he takes the cake there for me. Jay. I have the same as Andrew. Uh, I, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I, I, I'm like, I'm like, Levakovich. no, I like pan. I like panicked in my head and I, I was going to say legit the, the correct one. And then I, the only thing that came into my mind was the way that Andrew pronounced it. So I'm, I'm you guys sorry. are like Lavaja Djokovic. <laughs> hey, hey, Ron. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, I, I think just he was their lifeline. Cause you know, they didn't really, they didn't have like high, high, like high numbered, like score lines. And I just think with how solid they were in defense and then combined with him. And like Andrew said, like the Brazil game, he was crucial for them to proceed. And I just think he was outstanding in like open play also, as Connor mentioned, like Emmy uh, wasn't that exceptional in open play, but I think he was, Vakovic was, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, that, that was good. That was right, yeah, right on the <laughs> Nailed it. Um, yeah, I, I think in open play, he was just really good. And uh, he's my keeper at the tournament. Yeah. Nemi's a rat, so I'm not going to pick him. Oh, my God. <laughs> the ultimate troll. Emmy's a rat, and that is why I picked him. Uh, he was my keeper of the tournament. Very similar reasoning to Connor. I mean, he maybe didn't have the best group stage, but as we've learned in the World Cup, people can just trounce through the group stages and then just put up a howler and knockout. So, I think he weathered the storm pretty well. Um, and as you said, Connor, I mean, he was easily the best penalties goalkeeper out there. As soon as it went to penalties in the final, I was confident Argentina would win, mainly because there was two guys in the France lineup that were no longer kicking. But I mean, for the most part, he was incredible in penalty shootouts and somebody who can really stare in the face of the biggest moments of his career and hump the air and then hump Lost. the trophy afterward. I mean, <laughs> It really, it, it does bother me. And when he does that against Spurs, it'll make me irate. But to watch him do that on the world's largest stage and kind of just not make a joke of everything, but really show that the, there is literally not enough pressure to get to him. Uh, I was just found that very commendable. And he lifted the World Cup trophy in the end. So the ultimate prize. Uh, okay, so we had two Lavakovich and two. Split. Who do we who do we just pick? Emmy. Emmy, right. Sorry. I already yeah. in my mind I already moved on to the <laughs> defenders. So I jumbled myself up there. Okay, so back line. So I guess we'll go around. We each give our back line a couple reasonings as to why you picked each guy. I'm sure there'll be some overlap here, but uh Andrew, who did you go with? All right. I went with Acuna at left back for Argentina. Um Vardiol for the Croatian center back, Rafael Varon, right center back, and then right back I went Hakimi. Okay, okay, I see you. I was, nope. Andrew, a little bit surprised to not see Maguire in your lineup. I was kind of hoping you'd give, <laughs> and hey, that's not like a joke. He legitimately was on a lot of people's World Cup 11, so I, I was kind of surprised you didn't go with him there. I mean, I'm not going to downplay his performances at all. I think I was one of the first to praise him when they did play well, when he played well specifically. Um, I thought he was exceptional, but I just think in terms of how far these other players got and the impact that they have in their in their country's sides throughout the course of, you know, their entire career and in this World Cup, I think they've been staples, especially Vardiol having a breakout World Cup. Rafael Varane, I think as soon as he got back into the France side, he was an instant impact, instant impact against um against England in the knockout stages, against Morocco as well. 
Uh, I just think overall those two center backs specifically have just been standouts for their country with the level of competition that they faced up against as compared to England. So I'm not downplaying Maguire's performances or Stone's, but the competition that the other countries faced, like Croatia and France, was much more much high cal much higher caliber players. So for me, those two were rocks for their countries, and um, that doesn't take anything away from I guess what Maguire did, but that's just the route I went. I like it, pretty evenly balanced. Uh, Connor back line. I'm going left to right. Theo Hernandez stepping in for his good brother as he went down in the opening match. I think France without him would have been in a much tougher position. And he just, he did everything for them and he brought everything he could have energy. I mean, moving forward and then locking it up defensively um, despite playing next to various center backs. I'm going to die on my hill. Kanate has been chosen. That's actually a late, a late switch up. Cause I was going to put Virgil in there just cause I think he's a Rolls Royce center back. And I mean, the Netherlands, they put in a good performance, um, but Kanate is the guy. He's showed up, young center back. He's yeah. Why don't you just take a take a deep breath and just calmly say why you think this is? I think I'm going to mute Connor right now. Uh, <laughs> I have the power. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. I mean, I think he was man of the match in the um, what was it the semifinal against Morocco. I don't know that he was officially man of the match. I don't think he was, but he had like three defensive challenges that were potentially goal saving. He was very good in big moments. I think he was crucial in France's group stage matches. Um, and then coming on as a substitute through the first two, um, I want to say knockout matches, because obviously Varane was starting, but I thought that Kanate probably even deserved a start over Upamecano, despite him also being phenomenal. Um, but I mean, he played in a UCL final last year, and now he's played in a World Cup final. So as far as young center backs, look no further. Um, Guardiol is my second center back. Another, obviously, young gun that kind of just came out of nowhere. He was on some people's radar, but really proved why he's going to be one of the up-and-comers and probably an English club. We'll see, but someone's going to pay a boatload of money for him. And then at right back, Hakimi, just the staple. I mean, does it all, carried Morocco, and just always a bright spot in that team. I think him and Ziyech really found um, a good partnership and were pretty dynamic as far as offering a pretty defensive side, uh, a bit of attacking life when they really needed it. So that's my back okay. line. The back line. Okay, okay. The bunda uh, of Jay's team. I'll go next. Uh, I, have the, I have the same left back as Connor. I have Theo Hernandez. Uh, like he said, I mean, he was pretty phenomenal, bar the uh, pretty <laughs> obvious penalty that was given away in the England game. But mm -hmm. um, other than that, he, I, I think he's put in a shift, and he also shown – I mean, he's played for big clubs his entire life. I mean, he went from Real Madrid to AC Milan, so it's he's used to the stage. But I thought he had a phenomenal tournament, providing goals and assists and defensive coverage. Um, I went the same as Andrew. I went Gavardiol. Uh, he definitely, like Connor has a big move in him, and he's young, even though he looks like he's like thirty. Like he's that's a big dude. I need to see uh, him without the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a Batman mask on, uh, <laughs> which is 
People Absolutely call insane. him Pep because his name sounds like Guardiola, but that's stupid because he was wearing a mask and like plays like Bane. Yeah, so yeah. Why do people not call him Bane? <laughs> he's like, nobody cared who I was till I put on the mask. It's <laughs> out there and like breaks. What if he doesn't perform when he takes the mask off? What if that's like an issue? Just so has it. On, yeah, has it on like Richard Ham- Richard Hamilton. So right in the transfer clause, it's like must wear mask in all matches. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Uh, Ivaron next. Like Connor said, he didn't miss a fix- the first few because he got injured while playing for. Uh, the second best team in Manchester, but uh, <laughs> you know it's all good because he put in a hell of a tournament. He did have a full body convulsion at the end of the <laughs> final, but I think uh, that was just because he had no, you know, hydration in his system. But he put in a shift. And I, he was really solid in the back line. Uh, and my right back that is different from everyone else's. I put Denzel Dumfries. No, I like that pick. I like that pick. <laughs> Denzel, yeah, that's, that's a Tottenham. Daddy that's daddy a that's a Tottenham player for Tristan. Yeah, it is Denzel, daddy, right? It's Denzel, did it. it's Den- Denzel Dumfries. I believe it's Denzel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or, he, oh yeah. Den I mean, daddy. definitely. Dumb daddy. Uh, Dumb daddy did it in the star. <laughs> uh, plays at Inter, but I think he does have a move in his future. I mean, he's just like solid. He's huge. He has the defensive aspect pretty much covered up, and he definitely showed his offensive aspect when he knocked out the U.S. But He's definitely uh, a man of many talents at, in going forward and going uh, coming back. So I thought he really stood out for me in that right back position. So we had I, I picked Hakimi for largely the same reasons Connor did. So we had two Hakimis, and who were the other picks? Three Hakimis. Three Hakimis. I had Hakimi. Three, had three Hakimis and Jay. Who did you pick? Dumfries. Dumfries. Got you. Okay. Uh, and then for left back, what do we have for left backs right now? Before Theos. I just wrap things up. One, one Acuna and then two Theos. Two, two oh. Theos. And then for the center backs, did all three of you have Guardiol? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then everybody else, you had two Verons, right? Yeah. Yep. And one Kanate. And one and, Kanate. And one random Kanate in the back line. Yeah, one French prince. <laughs> so to, to fill in my non-repeaters, uh, and I guess this could be my howler pick, one of my center backs was Tiago Silva of Brazil. That's who not I thought a howler was, at all. I thought, yeah, well, I guess. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. I kind of I thought there was a lot of other good candidates, but I figured that they would be picked. And I actually really liked everything about Tiago Silva's World Cup. I think he, Brazil, as Jay perfectly put earlier, they played that last match like they had an automatic spot in the next game. But I never saw an ounce of that from Tiago Silva. I rate him really highly as a player, just all around, especially in this Brazil side. But I was pr- pretty amazed at uh, the World Cup he put together. He's honestly aging like fine wine. I went Vardial. I went Hakimi on the left side. I went Ivan Perisic, which was maybe a howler to some people. Again, a lot of, uh, a lot of good options there. Teo Hernandez is not a bad pick, but once again, I just think even if he does, he, he could go all world cup without doing an amazing thing, but he will very rarely put a foot wrong ever in any situation. And I think such a huge part of this Croatia team was weathering the storm and just spraying in corners at the end. And he was a massive part of why they pulled off a lot of the wins they did, why they went as far as they did probably his last world cup too, which makes me sad. Uh, Hopefully Croatia have a younger, slightly quicker left back by the time the next one rolls around, but I was really happy with him. And yeah, F it. I went with it because he's a Spurs guy and I think he deserves a shout out for it. So Perisic was my left back. Don't hate Fair it enough. Yeah, I don't. Hate yeah, it I don't hate it. As far as shade in your lineup, Tristan, it was more towards Tiago Silva. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's the one that I, 
Just because I thought enough, but like, Brazil, why do you think he, you think he did? He wasn't as good as I'm letting off. I mean, I don't. I guess I didn't catch as much as Brazil as I thought. I guess whenever I watched them play, they were just attacking all game, and I think maybe that's why I'm critical because I feel like in the moment they were asked to defend, they didn't do what they had to do, and then all their other matches they just played on the front foot for the majority. So that mm-hmm. was where. A little bit of criticism came in, but obviously you can fire that back at Kanate because he didn't. He wasn't even a guaranteed starter. So <laughs> to be uh, to be fair, also to I guess to other teams, Argentina's back line wasn't that phenomenal either. I know they won the World Cup, but I mean they leaked goals. They leaked goals to Saudi Arabia. They leaked goals to Netherlands, conceding a two 0 win, two uh, 0 advantage. Same with France. So I think like. If we want to look at like who stood out, it's important, I guess, to pick those players that specifically were like key for their team, even if, right. even if they didn't make it that far. So that's kind of why I avoided a lot of Argentinian defenders. I did pick Acuna because I think he was, um, I mean, he filled in for Tage Fico as soon as they lost to Saudi Arabia, and he was a staple in their at their fullback position throughout the entire um tournament up until the final. But yeah, I think it's like it's if we look at look at it like that, it's. A, li- a bit easier to see like why we pick certain players over yeah. others while we pick non-metal <laughs> winners over others so yeah and there's a bit of media pollution that obviously goes on as far as like i don't know i, I was seeing Odomendi like oh yeah no i just post and it's <laughs> yeah. like come on man like he literally dragged someone down in the final and like if anyone knows Odomendi, he didn't do anything to disprove my perception of him as a shaky center back like he, yeah. he he's still got it in him and it's not like he came out and was all same with Romero lockdown yeah same with Romero I mean yeah the number of fouls he committed in the world pretty insane he he get, what he talent. gets away with is is truly insane is. and by the way side note Brazil still the world's number one ranked team after all of this I'm not sure if you guys <laughs> caught that in the news cycle but yeah a little bit insane couldn't oust them especially considering like Argentina has I mean they won the World Cup, but they also won Copa over them, so it's kind of yeah. I, I would have picked Argentina as the the sort of the obvious choice in whatever yeah. ranking that. I think it was the FIFA ranking, and that's who I would have gone with personally. But I think I think it goes like quality of player too. I don't know. I, I want to say I, it's a point system. It might be a point system. I'm well, it wouldn't make sense. well it wouldn't make sense because Argentina would technically be the best team in the world. They hadn't lost until they lost to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but Brazil has won like 15 Copas. <laughs> I know, but they haven't won 15. That, yeah, that's like yeah. past history. But I mean, oh, the so last it's like year. all time point. Ranking. No, I mean, no, it, it is. No, so the FIFA men's world ranking is a ranking system for men's national teams. Um, so I don't know. Oh, wait, I thought it said point system. I'm sorry. I'm, I have, I was premature. I feel with like that. that's why Belgium usually gets ranked pretty high is because like they win all the games. They're not, they don't really need to win, but it okay, just right. proves them a lot of points. So that's why they end up pretty high in the FIFA rankings um, because like You're right. Nations League and everything, they do really well. But so um, this is off sportingnews.com. The method for the cal- for calculating FIFA rankings was officially changed in August 2018. This new system works by adding or subtracting points from a team's previous total base on results rather than using an average number of points earned over a certain period. So um, mm. interesting. Well, there yeah. you have it. And now it starts to get a little bit juicy, a little bit uh, dicey, a little bit more entertaining as we move on to the midfield, which there was, it seems like there was twice as many good options in the midfield as we've seen as, from defenders. But uh, Andrew, 
round out your World Cup 2022 midfield for us and tell us why. So I went with a more defensive shape with uh, two center mids and one holding. Uh, my two center mids are Enzo Fernandez and Modric. And my defensive midfielder is Amrabat from Morocco. So um, I think Enzo was, I mean, he was a staple within Argentina's midfield throughout the entire tournament. Obviously up and coming. We, we talked about it on the live watch for the final. He's um, being thrown around with the names of Jude Bellingham in terms of next and up and coming midfielders that we're seeing. Uh, and then Modric, I mean, he, he didn't, it looked like he barely aged since 2018 and his impact within the Croatian midfields. I mean, playing full nineties, like God just never stops running and he, he keeps his quality and his decision-making is clear. His head is clear. He's, He's sharp defensively and going forward. So um, I just thought he was a standout for Croatia and in the tournament overall. And then Amrabat, I mean, he was, I think, the key to Mor Morocco's midfield and, and their team as a whole. And, I mean, you see all the Prem clubs, all the clubs around the world are now looking at him as a potential target for, I think, either the winter or summer of 2023. So, um, yeah, I just think all three had major impacts for their country. And I did want to, like, split. I didn't want to give it all to Argentina. I didn't want to give it all to France or or, you know, such and such different countries. I wanted to kind of split it up with, I think, the three most impactful teams, obviously, that we saw based on how far they went. And I think all three had major impacts for their midfield. And some exciting new, some in that middle age range. And one, unfortunately, who's 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 calling it quits after, uh, I mean, a phenomenal international career in Modric. So that's my midfield. I like it. Pretty well-rounded. Yeah, I thought you hit, you definitely got points for the age range there. You, you all all uh, age groups are represented. Uh, Connor, round out your midfield, and also uh, Andrew, well done on the formation too. If you want, you definitely specify your formation where you'd actually play them. I, obviously, I think that was kind of implied, but feel free to tell us where you'd put them too. Connor, before you dropped off the face of the earth, I think you were going <laughs> to give us your midfield before you just got Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I know. I just fell into a bottomless pit, but uh, midfield. I wanted to take some risks here. I don't think I did that very well. Um, but my midfield is Griezmann, Modric, and Onani, Onahi, um, the Moroccan eight. Uh, yeah, not a lot of risks there, but I like it. Yeah, so I'm playing with two forward midfielders. I think Griezmann, he played as the 10 for France, but um, – him and Modric next to each other. Modric operating as the eight would be pretty good. And then Onai as the six. But Griezmann pulled strings. I mean, he was at his best. We haven't seen him in that kind of form in quite some time. So it was really good to see him being that, like taking on a creative role um, for France, being that they have just so many pure goal scorers. He, I don't know that he really had a choice in doing that, um, but uh, he adapted well, and I think he was a big part of why France were able to go so deep. Um, and then Modric, Andrew spoke to it already. He's just class through and through. Looking at the Croatian side, they don't have any goal scorers. Like, they don't have any pure attackers. They don't have any key players across the front. So the fact that he was able to drag that team as far as he did and be the guy to kind of – offer creativity um chances of scoring and then also doing all the other bits of getting stuck in and challenges still running 90 miles a game just to keep his team alive um the guy does it all doesn't say much and you just have to watch him that's plain and simple and then onai he was a guy that was highly praised did a lot for 
uh, Morocco in midfield. I think um, he he's in the same category as Amrabat. They both just were they did what they needed to do, and they were they grafted out games, um, and that really was helpful for Morocco getting the results that they did, being that they defended a lot. So um, that's my midfield. Love it. I like it. it. Yeah. Not, not like, like I said, not a ton of risk there, I think. But uh, again, there was a lot of guys you could have gone with here, maybe bigger names. And I think he went with more of the emerging names. uh, Mm -hmm. None of whom I disagreed with. I think Unahi especially was a good pick. He's not on mine. So I'm glad somebody picked him and could shout him out unless Jay. He was on there at first, but I changed. I did change it. A last minute bounce? No, I no, wasn't. It was a feeling of the other eight you might have selected. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't last minute, but he was the first name I thought of. But I was like, ah, this player, uh, who is also a big name. I put Bellingham there instead of him. Uh, the reason I put Bellingham there because I think he was the perfect way. I think before when England when we saw England play and they were very I don't know stagnant and you know Southgate kind of switched it up and went with the 4-3-3 and I think Bellingham was that perfect eight that connected the forwards and the defense I mean the man has an engine and he has the technical ability to play up top but not up top but like in that attacking role and I think he was the main reason for England's success and the reason they were touted so highly to win it. I mean, he was basically, I would say he was involved in almost all their goals in the entire tournament. So I have him at the, uh, yeah, I have two eights and a six. And then the other two have been mentioned. I have Enzo Fernandez. I think that one's pretty self-spoken. I mean, the man was pretty much an animal for Argentina. He was there. He was definitely their spirit or their, main energy in the middle uh and at such a young age and i mean i don't know if you guys saw him smile with his trophy but the man has perfect teeth like yeah, uh, that, that, really was the, that was the craziest thing i've ever seen as if but, it wasn't enough to be a world-class footballer and tell me if you guys agree or disagree with this he to me right now has manchester city written all over his forehead and chest i think he's that perfect position that like Rodri plays for them right now, maybe even a little bit more dynamic in a way in terms of his offense. Cause I know Rodri's more on the defensive side really overall, but I look at Enzo Fernandez and I think city is going to go and pay a hundred mil for that man at some point in the future. And we're going to see him in the prem and he has good prem quality. What do you think? I could definitely see that. I can definitely see him playing at city. I think Rodri would definitely have to go though. I, I wouldn't pay that much money for him to sit on the bench. Uh, and they they kind of, and they already kind of have Calvin Phillips. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, I don't know the necessity of having him other than the name, but, or Gunagon. I mean, you could slot him in that eight and if he's he's more dynamic, he can go forward. So I mean, I I think he could also, I think Gunagon's coming of age for the city squad. And if they're looking to kind of revamp their midfield, he'd be the perfect player to kind of slot in. But I think I could see him at like, Madrid. Uh, I could see Madrid. I mean, Liverpool's kind of in the mix right now. The only thing, Pep's te- we we were linked. Just I'm, not, I'm not just pulling this I, out of my. No, I, 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 I saw I, Connor. I saw Connor doubting it with his face because I knew he was going to be like, well, "What about Liverpool?" Well, I mean, I still, I still want Jude. We're we're Jude's in the market. The more, we're in the market for a midfielder. I think Jude's more more complete. I already talked about that, but. I just wonder if Enzo is enough of a ball playing midfielder that he would fit in Pep's system. 
like Gundogan is so class on the ball. Um, I mean, I, I think mean, he'd be he's okay. a young player, I think, I think so he'll he... develop fine. Yeah. But yeah. I could see like he also has a bit of Newcastle edge in him. Like him playing next near and then in, oh. in and around Gimarash too. Oh. I like that I shout. Mean, hey, dude, Newcastle a... are here. They're about yeah, to start be, being one of those teams that are in oh. these conversations. They they put, put, yeah, matters yeah. in front of them in midfield. Like I'd be I'd be pretty I'm, I'm disgusted. <laughs> no, Polisage Polisage will be in front. Oh, you guys just keep tossing out. You guys just keep tossing out what's happening. No, Polisage is actually linked, but Jay, Jay, you didn't throw Chuameni in there, dude? No, you no. A I, I I had him in my I had him in my midfield, but then I just looked oh, at like for sure I had him in I had other players that wow. I, so he was not in anyone's midfield. No, I didn't put him in my midfield. I I, nah, I had it, but I changed it. Yeah, I changed it. My third my third was Grizzy. I yeah. think he was I think he was the most dynamic player uh yeah. in the France side, as in again like the Bellingham role of being he has such a high work rate. As a player, he never stops moving. And I think he invaded the spaces on offense because of his, like, he has such an attacking mind that it just made scoring easy for them. So, I mean, he was, I think he was their ace in the hole and just pretty much phenomenal for him. Okay. Is that, that leaves me, right? Yeah. Get away, Tristan. So, Griezmann was my, I guess, my common pick um, for all the reasons you guys have said, but. I mean, good God, I don't think he delivered a set piece or a corner that wasn't absolutely on the money from group stages until the final. His delivery was unbelievable. And I, you know, I've not watched a lot of Griezmann over my years watching the game, so I'm not like totally familiar with his riz, if you will. But uh, (laughs) in terms of delivery, he was he was like second to none. I thought of any player in the France side or maybe even in the tournament. So I thought he showed way more sides to his game than maybe the general public sees, which I like. He got a little bit more of a chance to to shine and stand out in this France side. So I really, I greatly enjoyed watching him all tournament, very composed as well. Um, So he was my sort of forward thinking midfielder. And then I had two holders. I went with Amrabat and I went with Bellingham again, largely for similar reasons. I mean, the thing I think I love most about watching Bellingham play is that he looks like a 28 year old, seasoned English defender who has 10 major trophies already and has been through tough times and maybe even a small mock. Like he's just the most seasoned you young mean, player. Did you mean midfielder? I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What okay. did I say? You said defender, defender, midfielder. Well, holding yeah. midfielder. Uh, <laughs> he's, I mean, he absolutely defines Rolls Royce in terms of when people use that phrase with, with, with a midfielder, but um, I mean, he's just such a leader. Uh, you, England are so lucky to have a player like him because of what they'll get out of him. What they've gotten out of him already is so significant, but what's terrifying is to think of what he can actually bring that team to. I mean, he fits within any any of the major sides in world football. I think you could place him in, and, and he's going to fit in really well. He's a coach's player. He's an excellent leader, very mature I mean, there's like literally not enough good adjectives to say about the guy. So for me, he was kind of a given, even even with England's, I guess you could say, semi-early departure in terms of the bar that they had set for themselves coming in. But what a player he is. I mean, I think it's down to Liverpool and Madrid. And I've said this many times before, but I think Liverpool, if they're going to get this deal, if they're going to make this happen, they have to finish in the top four this season. And I think they're very capable of doing that. I think Madrid can also just provide the dollar and the reassurance that he will always be playing in big games. So 
I honestly have no idea how it's going to end up, but I think the Bellingham sweeps sweepstakes are, are getting hot and heavy. And then Amrabat, I mean, like you said, Connor, he was just such an, an essential part of this Morocco team that won everybody in the world over in this world cup. He was physical. He was strong, played both sides of the ball really well, fit into this side really beautifully. Um, and as Jalen pointed out, he was at one point almost a Spurs guy, but I think he's only 26 or 27. So he might still have a one last good move in him. Hopefully it's to the prem. Hopefully it's to uh, Amazon stadium or wherever the fuck we're calling our stadium. <laughs> it's figured out, but that was my midfield. So two holders and a, and a forward thinker, but I liked everybody's midfield very much. Love um, it. Okay. Now it's, it's really starting to get, it's really starting to get warmer here. Front I feel like three. everyone. I feel like everyone's gonna have the same two. We have this. I think we have the same. I think everyone same has the same. For sure. I would hope everyone has the same two. So who did we all have Mbappe? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So everybody had Mbappe, and you had him playing in the left wing role. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's move to strikers. Who is everybody's striker? Giroud. Julian. Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez. Okay. So me and Andrew had Giroud, and Jalen and Connor had Alvarez. So you two. Say what you like most about Alvarez, then Andrew and I will go. Connor, you can go first. Big games, big goals. I mean, he had a brace in knockout stages, and he was relentless up top. I mean, for a young player, what he's able to do, um, the chances he was able to polish off, and frankly, Argentina wouldn't have won the tournament without him. Yeah, I mean, uh, seeing unfortunately because I'm a big fan of Lautaro Lazaro in my opinion didn't have a good World Cup and isn't wasn't he wasn't in good form at the cup um very uh Higuain-esque if you know in reference to the last time um, yeah. Messi was in the final but um it was good to see they had Julian Alvarez there who you know he was bought he was bought at the same time as Holland is pretty much the same age and is unfortunately overshadowed uh at manchester city with playing him like playing uh as a substitute to him but you know he came to the biggest stage in the world and he showed people why he's at one of the biggest clubs in the world and why they paid all that money for him so i mean like connor said they won't have won out without him i mean he was in the france final it was basically like he was used every ounce of his energy just like falling over and just being an engine so i think yeah. he was team of the tournament striker yeah, he's he literally every time he steps on the pitch, he makes a difference. Like even in the games where City are like, oh, we'll start him or oh, he'll come off the bench. We need something different, different look like he, he makes an impact. And then everyone's talking about him for that moment. And then we move on from it. But like he did the same thing in this tournament. So like his goal to minute ratio is insane and it's going to probably continue to be so, into the future. And, and now he plays obviously in the striker role here, but he can play on the wing at city, right? That's what he's been doing quite a bit under. I think, I think if Julian and Holland play at the same time, he'd play at the wing, but I'm pretty sure he's a natural born striker. Yeah. I would like to see a big second half out of, out of Alvarez from city, you know, they play. I, I feel like he, the only way he plays is if Holland's hurt or they need to rest him for champions league or something. I feel like you unfortunately won't see as much Julian as we are seeing. We did oh, see in the world cup. Yeah. Okay, so Andrew, we got to make our case for Olivier Giroud. Why don't you go first? Um, I think first and foremost, the injury of Benzema and I mean Ballon d'Or winner, big name, one of the greatest players to ever play, one of the greatest nines to ever play. He's obviously unable to make the tournament. 
not that Giroud can't fill the shoes of scoring goals, but it's a big ask in a big World Cup with a France team that is coming off the back of being world champions already. Uh, so I think coming in and, and being that number nine for the, the country of France and and delivering in, in knockout stages and group stages and also breaking a record for uh, most goals scored, I believe that's the case. Was that, do I have that correct? For France, most, yeah. Most France, yeah. So obviously hitting, breaking a record, I think at his age, he aged like fine wine. And, and the, what stands out to me is the goal against England in the final stages. I mean, obviously um that goal was just it showed his quality it came at a big moment and it broke the record i think then and there mm-hmm. unfortunately his final performance wasn't i mean he was subbed off before the halftime which you could you could say was the right decision because Mwani came on and obviously had a huge impact um you know overall so for me it was just the the pressure that he was put under the delivery that he was able to bring to france and he didn't he, while it, it did show in the in the final game, I think for most of the tournament he was, you know, he showed his fitness and he showed that he could still play this game in full nineties and and have an impact no matter what. But unfortunately, it didn't didn't come towards towards the end when it mattered. But overall, I think he's just top quality striker, and I was happy to see him hit a milestone for France. Most dangerous player in this World Cup said what I said. Absolutely, for me, the most dangerous player. Pound really? For pound. That's great. I, I don't. Stepped over Mbappe, Messi, taking taking first foot, second foot, and forehead into account, combining all those three factors together, there is not a single more dangerous player playing at the World Cup than Olivier Giroud. I think Who can't use his right foot to touch. Well, <laughs> I, didn't he get a rightful goal? Listen, I'm with you with Drew, but I'm I'm not defending most dangerous players. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, I'll, that's totally fine. I'll stand on this hill alone. It's I fine, think it's fine. to touch on the Deschamps point too. I don't. I think you let that man off crazy easy. Sure, his first half wasn't incredible. I can think of maybe two or three other France players who did not have great first halves. Taking him off was absolute lunacy, especially. For me, just it didn't ha- didn't show a lot of faith in the France side. A game they were very capable of turning around, which they did. The whole entire tournament, he was completely alive on set pieces. He was uh, Griezmann's favorite target and very easy target for anybody in world football. Scoring mostly with his left foot, Jay. I'll give you that, but dangerous in terms of a fast break. Always made himself open, and he's just such. He's he was looks like the most hard, the most difficult player to defend from terms of a center back. I think center backs play against him and they go, man, I haven't seen one of these guys in a long time. Somebody who's that good in the air, that physical has a good left foot, very solid, I guess can sometimes play himself out of games a little bit as we saw in the first half. But I mean, for me, this was, this was Giroud's tournament. I was really bummed to see him come off. I think he would have absolutely made a difference in the final against Argentina on stoppage time. Absolutely would have made a difference. And against pens, not having him to, to take a pen at the end was also super devastating to have to go with the guys they did uh you know not having Dembele on the field either but I was really impressed with what I saw from Giroud I just think the guy scores goals wherever he goes he's like Rice he goes with anything he can play in any lineup and he's a great target man maybe one of the best the game's ever seen so Deschamps what are you doing brah come on but yeah I guess no one rates him highly as I do uh, oh, right I, way, I agreed. I, I agreed, I agreed with everything you said, besides the most the dangerous, dangerous part. <laughs> I uh, guess in terms of dangerous, I guess 
he he get, he brings a factor into a team that a goal can come out of nowhere. So when a team He's can one score of the most off dynamic. a set piece or a corner out of nowhere, that's when I think this guy really is different gravy. I, I, just, get, I think it's his attributes, like his height and his physicality. I wouldn't, his, yeah. I, I think would those most yeah. dangerous with the fewest touches. If that were the disclaimer, but that's I what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And right wing. I, yeah. Did, or, or Andrew, sorry. Did you? Is there anything else? No, no. I, I think both. I think both are just good options, Julian and Andrew. I think that for them to, if you're looking at a player that's coming up, Julian was it was his tournament for up and comer striker, and for Giroud was his exit. So, mm-hmm. um, no. I mean, obviously, there's Messi, but that's on the wing. <laughs> and did we all have Mr. Messi as our pick? The greatest yep. of all time. Yeah, I had, right. I had Messi. Yeah, I had, I had Messi little man. too. And then I had Ronaldo just behind. <laughs> yeah, he was on no. the worst 11. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we. I had Messi. Um, I mean. What was your favorite Messi moment of the tournament? I mean, we probably uh, have similar ones, but. the um, When he took, I think it was Vardy O for a drive around the block. Um, that was probably the, the standout moment. Obviously, he scored in the final, scored two um two pks uh oh no a one pk and he did one score an extra play. one open play goal but mm-hmm. i think like that bit of messi that we saw against vardiol showed you that he still has it and he literally turned back into 20 uh 27 year old messi when he would just take players for a drive and open them up and expose them and i think it fit perfectly for vardiol to realize like this is who like i don't give a shit if you're this new up-and-coming center back that's this is going to be signing for a prem club for this amount of money like I'm still the greatest of all time, and I'm going to show you why on the biggest stage. And he, this is literally what he did. Um, and then he obviously got the assist for Julian Alvarez in that goal. But, yeah, for me, that was probably my favorite moment. Um, it was just, like, great. It was just it was just great. It was messy. It was messy-esque. I was just, that's him through and through. So Taught him a good old-fashioned lesson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My messy moment was his assist um, against the Netherlands. Mm. Um where just the vision that he had. I mean, the Vardy all moment was phenomenal too, but just a moment of pure brilliance as opposed to a moment of 15 seconds of brilliance, his assist to see that pass. He's probably one of three players in the world that see it and execute. So, um, yeah, he's just unreal. Not enough good things to say about it. And he did just sign an extension with PSG. So, his MLS debut. Another we'll year, to, right? We'll have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, through 2023-24, he'll stay at PSG. Tickets another, will be affordable for one more year, everybody. And then another year we get to wait until uh Inter Miami break their financial fair play rules. Yeah. Right. <laughs> David Beckham is carried out in like the Aaron Hernandez on like uh like tank top, like with it over his body. <laughs> oh God. They're like, You did this so many times, dude. Come on. <laughs> um Messy moment, Jay. What was your favorite Messi moment? As a Ronaldo stan, I know this might pain you to say a little bit, but did you have a messy moment that you didn't hate? I don't know. There's so many penalties to choose from. Oh, oh. I don't act like your guy Mbappe didn't get a few there in the last last match. <laughs> Scored all three fault. though. It's not. It's not my fault. They can't defend. Um, it's not Messi's fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, so Jay. At least pick yeah. a favorite penalty. What was his best penalty then? Uh. Oh, the penalty shootout for sure. Yeah. That was disgusting. I couldn't even yeah, believe my Maurice begging on his knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We Dude, all just like looked at the... each other when he did that. That was insane. Lori might be the worst penalty keeper I've ever seen. Yeah. 
I would probably concede that. Not even kidding. I, I I think that actually might be a fact. I think the last one he saved was against Aguero in Champions League in 2018. And I don't think he saved one since then. But, yeah, he had sort of a rough go of it. I mean, that was one of the things that I think was the nail in the coffin the moment that game went to, went to penalties was the lack of France penalty takers and who they had in goal and who Argentina had in goal. Uh, for me, it was when he told Salt Bay to piss off and that he was not <laughs> related to this game in any way because that guy was an absolute clown and seeing him blow off that guy was uh, yeah. one of these, I guess I should do if that's appropriate. <laughs> but that was that was the salt yeah. on the World Cup for me was seeing that guy get told to piss off by the literal goat and then maybe the the pick of him in bed with the trophy. I think that he might have actually <laughs> yeah. had sex with it, but yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Oh, he did break Instagram all time. Yeah. Most all liked time photo record. ever, right? Yeah. 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 He, also, he just beat my Christmas one from last year. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll hand over the crown, Lionel. You earned it. <laughs> Until uh, next year, I guess. Um, okay. So we have two choices left. We have uh best manager and the 12th man of the tournament. Who do you what do you guys want to do first? 12th man. 12th man. Uh, 12th man. Okay, yeah. Andrew, who is your 12th? I'm going to go Bruno Fernandes. Uh, I think he had a phenomenal World Cup. I mean, as far as Portugal got, I think, I mean, his, his numbers showed. Um, he was the life for Portugal. They talked about Ronaldo and Bruno not being able to mesh. And you saw the one player that stood out um, out, of the, out of the two. So, yeah, I think Bruno, just based off criticism he's gotten at, at the club level for him to come into this World Cup with a lot of pressure on Portugal to be in the first place, I think he just stepped up and, I mean, he, he just pulled strings for Portugal. So, for me, Bruno Fernandes. My 12th Bruno man, um, it's – I'm being a little harsh to Jude, but it's going to be Jamal Musiala. Germany mm-hmm. were an absolute flop, not going to deny that, um, but their best player was – Musiala and it was a broken shattered system but he was the only player that looked like he was ready to show up and actually ready to perform in the World Cup I mean the number of chances he created in their uh the game when they were finally eliminated he was just relentless um in his efforts and I really appreciate the young player that he is and probably the one of amongst the star-studded cast that we're in store for in the next five to ten years um jude the reason i didn't select him as my 12th was just because i think england had a much steadier system than germany and he had a lot more players that showed up around him that kind of probably elevated his game as well um being that the england team was in solid form in the tournament and coming into the tournament so that's kind of why i led musiala and he was my uh young player to watch coming in so i had to give him a shout even though he was forgotten pretty early on because of Germany's early exit and disappointing performance at the World Cup. Lucy, all the 12th man. I like that pick. Uh, Jalen. Oh, man, I'm just I'm I'm deciding between two in my head. Uh, I, I picked two as well. So feel free because I don't want people to give me shit for saying two names, <laughs> but there's two names I'm going to I'm going to say. Fence sitter. You uh, fence sitter. Uh, Today I'm, I am. I'm going to I'm going to. I'm gonna lock down and say Rabio. Um, nice pick. I think when he was, I mean, he was Mister Consistent throughout the entire thing. I know we kind of clowned uh, United fans for wanting him for like 80 mil, but it was 60. But okay, 
right, he looked man. he looked like 60 does, mil this world does, cup doesn't matter uh he it's 20 mil difference he was he was missing it, that, yeah that, that really that United. really matters to you guys um you know i think when he was playing i mean he was always like i said mr consistent and then when he was gone when he had that sickness and fafana who was also a good player but they it the system definitely looked a little different there was way more confusion uh between him chuameni and griezmann i just or when fafana was in but when rabio was there i think he definitely kept them very uh uh, very steady, and he and he provided a couple. He provided a goal, so I mean, he definitely can do it on both ends. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for his scary mother, uh, I'd probably actually like the guy. I think he registered an assist also in that same game. I think he I think he did. Ball. I think he had a yeah. I forget what game. It I think it was the same. Yeah, the same game that. That wasn't not, Australia, was it? It might. I think it was the first. Yeah, first route, first knockout game. I think. Yeah, one Australia. of those. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then my fence sitter was Jao Felix, but I don't dub it down, Rabio. I swear. <laughs> we're having Wi-Fi issues, and that's a staple of working from home. But, I mean, we're going to get this done. I got two 12th men. I guess a 12th and a 13th man. Uh, my 12th man is Mr. Alexis McAllister of Argentina, but more importantly of Brighton and Hove Albion. Guy was fantastic from group stages to knockouts well, to the final, really. A huge part of why that team brought home the trophy. I think he had a lot of eyeballs on him from some very big clubs. I think he's going to unfortunately be like the 15th big time Brighton player to make a move out of Brighton sometime in the near future. Um, he's that's a player. That's ball. a player who could replace Kunduan. That's true. I think so too. Yeah, I definitely think so too. He does have some city uh, in, in him for sure, but for he was really price great. Tag. Big price tag, but hopefully Brighton can like make a killing. By the, by that time, Grand Potter will be begging for his job back, so maybe he can do a straight swap with Chelsea. Say, give me oh. this shit out of here, please. Oh. Uh, ball distribution was really good. Goal scoring was good. Um, I almost went with Harry Kane, who we actually tossed some criticism Harry Kane's way. I think the last time we did sort of a World Cup check-in, but he was one of the Cups assist leaders. Put that penalty into the Dead Sea, but uh, you know what? It's tough to score two in one game. He showed us that that's that's a real thing. Um, but other than that, I think he was really good, really really important part of this England side. It had a lot of important players, but um, I did not hate Harry Kane's minutes at the World Cup and stayed healthy. So, <laughs> managers, managers, gaffers, guys, who'd we pick for gaffers? Mine's lame, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Uh, Lionel Scaloni, obviously Argentinian manager, won the World Cup. And I think the fun fact about it is I saw today he was actually in the 2006 squad with Messi. Um, wow. And now he's coaching them and just won the World Cup with them. So, um, and yeah, also, I mean, he's also uh, one of the directors or he's something at PSG. Oh, Interesting. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Over there. Guys, huh? making shit happen in every Quite a bit of like overlap and layover there. I th I th I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure his name sounds really familiar. Maybe it's because of him being a player, but no, he has. Wait, like he was a former player for PSG that had something. Or... Is he involved in PSG at R? No. no. Okay, must be another Scaloni. No, no, I I I think I I'm mixing up something, but uh, it had to do with Messi. But no, you're right. No worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously, he also managed Argentina from 2017 to till now so it's been it's been a few years with the squad um and i mean 
great to see that he was a main factor in Messi's uh, goat. Um, what's the word for like crowning somebody something? Uh, opening ceremony or yeah, uh, christening, coronation, coronation of the goat. So no, yeah, overall, um, <laughs> pulled that one out of my ass. Yeah, um, no, just fun fact around that, and obviously World Cup winner. So that's a good one. I. Do you think he does much as a manager of the Argentines? Yeah. I feel like they Oh yeah, a thousand. I feel like they play so fluid, like just free. They play pretty drilled football though, don't they? They still look pretty conditioned, even yeah. with the greatest player ever out yeah. there. To me at least. That's true. He was a huge he was a huge part of their journey after the loss to Saudi Arabia with how often they switch formations and the players he put in. So he also right. won the Copa with he also won the Copa with them. Yeah. And like I, yeah. it, it's not like safe to say that this squad is necessarily better than the side that had Aguero, that had Iguain, that had uh, in had a younger Di Maria, had a younger Messi. Like, like this is, I would say this is a less talented side than the side. Maybe, maybe uh, it's hard to tell. I would, I would say more talented, but I guess more yeah. options. Yeah, I guess the defense is yeah. still, the, maybe still the same. It's hard to tell, but yeah, I'm not here to discredit managers. Yeah, I just yeah. was kind of poking fun. Uh, and I mean, Southgate still can do it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's mine. Connor. Mine was the Japanese manager, Hajime Moriyasu. Um, as far as a team with, I mean, not, no standout necessarily stars. There's a couple names, but even then they're role players at big clubs. Um, so what he was able to do with the talent that he was given being a very well-drilled team and they didn't shy away from anyone or anything when they played, they played on the front foot, they would press the hell out of teams. They would just work rate and being a disciplined side got them to where they needed to be. So I think as far as managerial master classes, that's where I look to, um, in this world cup. Lord. I love it. Love it. I love okay. it. Uh, mine is Tite of Brazil. I nice. Mean, that was that was my almost pick. I I think he's just a cool dude. Um, dancing, doing the rooster dance. Yeah, he's doing the uh, <laughs> Richarlison dance. Uh, I think his only flaw was in the last game, obviously against Croatia, when they were still attacking when they were one zero up with three minutes left. But other than that, I think with the way he picked his squad, um, and just. I don't know. I just feel like they he held a close relationship with the guys as it showed with the dance. And I think it was like he was he had power, but he was also it seemed like relatable. So uh I, I went with him. I love it. Yeah, no, again, that was who I uh, almost went with because he still had Brazil moving so different. He still had them looking really, really good. It, it was a shame that their bad performance came when it really needed to come last, but uh Either way, I went Walid Ragagi, who is the Morocco national team manager. Um, I mean, first African team ever to make it to the semifinal. So that in itself is an unbelievable accomplishment. We saw resurgences of players like Ashraf Hakimi, who already understandably had a very high ceiling. I'm sure he was going to get there one way or the other. But I mean, he's had sort of a really massive turnaround. I think he's had otherwise a pretty tough season at PSG um, for his standard, obviously. But Amrabat looked fantastic. Sofian Buffal looked really good. There was so many guys in this Morocco team that I think he gets partial credit for bringing back to life in this tournament. Really had them moving exciting. It helped they had the most 
fans of any team pretty much the entire tournament. But overall, I love what Waleed did. So shout out to that man. Hopefully we see Morocco at the next World Cup and they're just as fun and exciting to watch with. Yeah, Ziyech is another player. I mean, in the bunch, but mm. a guy that we think is just dead and buried because he's at Chelsea and like never gets a nod. And then you see what he's capable of. It's like it's criminal, honestly, what goes on. Also, uh, Saiz, the center back for Wolves, he was um, in a lot of people's teams of the tournament too. He was he was phenomenal. It's a shame that he came off injured in that game against France. I mean, I think that was a major. Major asset loss, especially he, he like pulled a ham he pulled a hamstring before and he like tried to play and he like, yeah he was yeah. he tried playing he was playing through it for most of turns the turns out you need both of those to run but... <laughs> yeah ask Dembele ask Pulisic ask Michael Owen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needed like a he needed like a bungee cord back there. Uh, guys, good stuff. I loved everybody's top to bottom. I mean, I'm glad we got some different names in there. We certainly went away from what I think most people picked, but, uh, yeah, I loved everybody's teams, honestly. And it was good to see your faces, even if it is virtually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bar Kanate, I'd say everyone had a pretty accurate one. Oh, yeah. get on. Get on. Kanate was yourself. the only dumbest shit pick out of all of ours. <laughs> but I think other than that, we did pretty well. I hope, you, I hope you guys match up with him in the Jay. You're going to have to match up with him too. And I hope he blankets all of your strikers. You can say all you want. You lost last year, buddy. And he was at the helm. So. I can see the memes okay. in the future of uh, of Kanate emptying his pockets and it's like car keys change his phone and then a picture of whatever striker he played that day. I think that we are nearing that point and Connor will yeah. be annoying as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, annoying. as far as the so loss, annoying. the loss, he stared it straight in the face. He posted an Instagram picture with a picture of him walking away from the World Cup trophy and then a picture of him walking away from the UCL trophy. It's like, damn, that's a tough year, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's L's. So. Just, just sadness. Yeah. But. Gentlemen, have a wonderful uh, Christmas holiday. Tell all your families I love them deeply and passionately. I'm excited <laughs> for their good health. <laughs> You as well. Happy holidays, boys. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Okay, well, don't hey, be don't, weird, Andrew. Stay, I'll, I'll tell him that. <laughs> stay tuned for uh, more content and stay tuned for the holiday episode, which is being released this week. Cheers. Bye bye, everybody. So.